Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. This morning's scripture reading comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You may be seated. God is good, and all the time. I was trying to catch you off guard there. You did real well. Happy New Year, and if you're visiting, welcome, welcome, welcome. One thing, Derek, you may know this because you led the song. What is a zephyr? Calm wind. Okay, there you go. We're singing about zephyrs and raging storms, and I asked... I asked Stephanie, I said, what is a zephyr? She said, you're supposed to know. (laughs) I'm the preacher, I'm not the song leader, but anyway. Well, we've changed our calendars, the end of the year changed, and for the most of us, for about the first month, we're going to struggle because we're still going to put 2021 on all the documents and checks that that we write and that we sign. But we do have to get accustomed to some changes, and some are good and some are not so good. And the church over the past couple of years have changed. My faith in black-eyed peas has changed. People that eat that on New Year's Day, it didn't work in the past two years. But we're still blessed regardless of what we have seen. Now there are some changes that uh, are bad, okay? For example, when Kroger and Walmart rearrange the stores, that's a bad change. Nobody likes that. When you're coming up on a green light and it turns red all of a sudden that's a bad change you can just ask Daryl and Dana Bean about this who I had the privilege to pull over Friday I was riding along and and talking and apparently they were talking too and I wasn't paying attention to what they were doing and and, uh, the officer I was riding with said, I, I got to pull them over. And he turned on the lights and things. And, and, I saw, and I looked up and I saw the car turn and I saw that little bean auction sign. I said, hey, I know them. <laughs> I was like, this is so great. First thing I did, I texted their daughter. I said, we just pulled over your mom and dad. <laughs> some changes are bad, but some are good. For example, when a person overcomes generational habits to improve themselves, that's good. When an addict becomes sober and maintains their sobriety, that's good. When a person becomes a Christian, that's good. Good change, bad change. However, studies have shown that some changes as it regards churches aren't the greatest. The Associated Press reported a couple of weeks ago that 14% of mainline Protestants are attending church versus 16% in 2019. Now, what they call evangelical Protestants, 
37% are attending in-person worship, while 42% attended in 2019. Now, I don't know which one the pollsters would have put the Churches of Christ in, but I know it, we've been affected by it as well, because our average attendance in 2019 was 635, and in 2021 it was 462. So we've gone down a little bit, and uh, COVID has changed the landscape of reality as we know it. Regardless, I think the worst thing that has come out of a pandemic hasn't, there have been, of course, sicknesses and deaths, and that's real bad. But I think it's been the attitude and the spirit of a lot of Christians, and I would count myself among them. It has frustrated me to no end, but I think we have discovered a little bit about ourselves, a little bit about our friends and our neighbors. And one of the things that I'm going to work on personally in this new year has a lot to do with a passage that when we studied it on Wednesday night really smacked me in the face. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Maybe you too, like me, struggle with uh, how you speak. And it may not be directly to the person, it may just be about that person or about certain people. But this is one that I think, you know, here we are singing these hymns and these songs. Beautiful, beautiful sounds. I love usually right at the end when that last note is held and you can hear that harmony. I, I love the sound of that. I just think that's beautiful. But then, how is that same mouth used when I'm not here? Think about it. Something else struck me about how we use our words. Now, you can floss all you want, brush your teeth all you want, you can use all the Colgate you want, and you can still have a dirty mouth. Jesus says it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out that defiles him. Because what comes out, our words, that proceeds from the heart. And one of the things I've not thought about are these lists of sins. Among these lists of sins, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, we always like to pay attention to the first few. The fornicators, the idolaters, the adulterers, the homosexuals, and the sodomites. But you keep on reading that list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. You've got thieves, covetous, drunkards, and revilers. I don't think a lot of church people know what a reviler is. That's not something we use in common everyday language. Are you a reviler? Well, I don't know. Is that one of them guns that you put the bullets in and turn the chamber, put it? No, that's a revolver. A reviler is someone who uses hateful, insulting speech. And the reviler is right up there with some of those others we love to trot out because they're not our sins. And you know our reviling can be speech. It can also be a text message, an email, a post on social media or anything else. So this is what I want to work on, and I, I know some of you ought to work on it too. Not all of us are guilty of it, but some of us are. So this dip, this change 
in church. Now, Stephen, why do you care about numbers? Let me tell you why. Numbers are souls. Every one of those numbers is a person that God made that God loves. They are a soul that He cares about. And we should too. So some of the reasons that folks have stopped coming to in-person worship has to do with uh, personal health concerns in light of the pandemic and everything. And I would definitely say to that person, you got to do what's best for you, what you know is your health picture, and that's none of anybody else's business. By all means, take care of yourself. Some have started attending elsewhere, and I, I would say as long as you're going, that's great. Here's the thing. Uh, years ago in ministry, I had a lady wanted to talk. She came by the church, and she said, I'm thinking about going to another congregation. I said, okay, you know, uh, is there something wrong? And so she, she explained everything that was going on. She was hesitating to leave that congregation because that's where her mom and dad went. That's where she grew up. But she told me why she wanted to leave and why it was so hard for her. And I said, well, here's something you got to realize. We're still on the same team. We don't become enemies because we go from one congregation to a different congregation of the Lord's people. We are still on the same team. Some preachers don't see it that way. Some church members don't see it that way. But we are here in this building and in other places in this county and across this state and this country and this world, we are still Christians, members of the body of Christ, regardless of what the sign says outside. So if you find somewhere that you believe to be a better fit, that you can better serve the Lord, and you can better be fed spiritually by all means, as long as you're going, that's good. Some folks have quit coming because they have a loved one that they have to take care of. And that loved one may be in a category of vulnerability. And I think we can understand that. And by all means, we would want to say, be a good caretaker. Others have quit coming because they're simply afraid. This is something we can't neglect. I've spoken with some of our members, not many, but a few, a handful, they are just scared to death. Everything they have heard has painted it out to be that in the moment they encounter it, they're going to die. For some people, that is the case. The, the, the thing is, we, we don't know how this, this coronavirus is going to affect one person from the other. I mean, my wife had it at the end of August, and she developed pneumonia in one lung. And so there I was, Mr. Nurse, handing her pills and making sure she did her breathing treatments sitting right next to her, sleeping next to her. I still kept kissing her. I figured might as well get it and sink or swim. And I never got it. Well, you could have been asymptomatic. Well, I tested because I wanted to know, do I have it and do I have... So with her, it knocked her down a good bit. With me, it said, I'm not going to mess with that guy because he'll end the pandemic. I thought it was funny. Apparently you didn't. Okay. Uh, and th there are others that have died from it. We don't know from one person to the other what it will do. But some people are, are, are afraid, and to those who are afraid, I'm so sorry that you are afraid, and I'm so sorry that you're in the position that you're in. But let's be honest. There are some people who just haven't returned. It was too easy of a habit to not come 
And it became easier to just watch live stream, to listen via radio. It just became easy not to come. And it's been hard to get back in the routine. And I want to say to those people, and hopefully you will say to them too, I don't know if they're watching, if they're listening. Uh, if not, you know, send a kind word. I've actually been texting some of our folks that I know that's the case. They've just quit coming. And uh, I don't guilt them. I just text them, go, hey, I miss you, love you, hope you're doing well. And some of them, they just it's open the floodgates. Well, you know, we've just got out of the habit. God still loves you. But come on back. Come on back. I believe there are a few necessary mindsets that we all have to have when it comes to church. And I hope this will be somewhat of, of an encouragement and motivation to us all to see the importance of being together as a family of God. First of all, you have the communion mindset that we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. All those who believed, they were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and delivered them among all as any, anyone had need. They communed daily. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, a lot of people think that Christianity is a lot like going to see a movie. You go, maybe you have someone with you, you sit in a big seated area, and there are a whole bunch of other people that are there to spectate just as you are. But then, when the movie's over and the credits roll, you get up and you go your own way, never to have anything to do with those people again. Some people treat church that way. They come, they watch, they get up, that's it. That's not Christianity, though. We, we, we have an example of a communion mindset. This, this, this is not, if you will pardon the expression, this is not a spectator sport. It's not just something you watch. Something that you participate in. It is as necessary that I become a part of the prayer of whoever is praying as it is for me to sing. Now, I've never understood why some Christians just sit there and, and they don't sing at all. That is a command to everybody. And you don't have to be trained to do it. Trust me. You just move around and you're going to hear some folks can't carry a tune in the bucket, but they're singing because they want to praise their Lord. I'll say it. But they're not singing to impress me. They're singing to worship God. But some folks just come and watch. That, that, that's not how Christianity is done. We commune together. And hopefully, outside of the hours that we're in this building, we even get together with some of our brethren. That's a part of that communion, that mutual edification. So first, you've got to have the communion mindset. There's, there's no passage that I can find in the New Testament of a person just simply becoming a Christian, confessing Jesus as their Lord, repenting of their sins, being buried in baptism, and then going, I'm going home. All is well. We don't just get to pay our eternal fire insurance and we're good. It's a life. Secondly, you have a working mindset. 
The reason that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers was for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There is something for everybody to do. Paul wanted the leaders of the Ephesian church and the churches all around to equip the church, not to entertain it. That's the purpose of our elders. Yes, it is to shepherd the flock, but it's also to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, if your primary drive is a feeling, well, I just didn't feel moved. I just didn't feel anything. I didn't get anything out of that service. Well, good, because we're not here to worship you. We're here to worship God. It's not what you feel, it's what you give. What are you giving? A lot of us, we give our all, or what we know best to be our all. Some, you give leftovers. Now, I've got nothing against leftovers. We're still eating on some. Anybody else still eating on leftovers? Yeah. Right? I don't want to waste food. Try not to waste food. Leftovers are pretty good. I can tolerate it. But I don't think God deserves our leftovers. I mean, on a Saturday night, you go, what are we doing tomorrow? Well, we don't have anything planned. You want to go to church? Yeah. You giving God your leftover time. Remember that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus taught us that. And the work of ministry, it isn't just standing before a crowd. Sometimes it has very little to do with being before a crowd. Sometimes it has to do with going to a funeral home and hugging someone who's grieving or sending a card. I'll tell you, there are some of our sisters here who are very good at sending cards and some of their cards I love to receive. But my favorite, I know preachers aren't supposed to have favorite, but, but I did. My favorite cards ever to receive were from Marianna Stubblefield, who attended New Concord, who's going to be with the Lord. She would make her own cards sometimes, and then she would have the prettiest handwriting. And I read it as if she had sent it. That's a work of ministry. Work of ministry can just be visiting the hospital, calling, checking on somebody. It doesn't always have to be something public. The, the, the mindset that the only thing you can do is what is seen, no, there's a whole lot more that can be done. And some of you are very good at it. There are some of you who you would not want any public recognition for anything. But we love you so much that sometimes you'll get it whether you want it or not, and we'll just have to go on forward. So the communion mindset is one that we should all have as Christians. The working mindset is another, and the third mindset is the eternal mindset. When John wrote the Revelation, he looked and behold a great multitude that nobody could number of all the nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hand. As a local body of Christ, we're a part of God's plan to add to this number. God loves, and because He loves, so we should love. We preach that good news that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We share 
that with people about his death, burial, and resurrection, what it means, why it's significant. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose the third day. His resurrection was the defeating of death. And we can have eternal life through Jesus. And we can have eternal life absent the woes of the world. No more death, no more sorrow, no more stress, no more fears, no more depression, no more disease, no more ventilators, no more vaccines, no more, no more, no more. That's where it is. It's in the heavens with God and the multitude. So let me give you, a, after these mindsets, the eternal mindset, the working mindset, the communion mindset, let me give you just three reasons. Okay? Scripture has been given. Now just practical reasons. First of all, every Sunday has a different emphasis. We have different Scripture readings. We have different prayers. We have different sermons. And you know, these can speak to a variety of needs that we may have. Though we come to worship God, and it's not about us, it's a blessing when we come to pour out ourselves to God, but then we walk away having been blessed. Maybe because of a song that Derek led or a prayer that someone prayed. And I've said this, I don't know how many times, I will miss James Easley's prayers in the assembly. I will miss them. It just made you feel, or well, it did me, made me feel like my grandfather was praying. When I heard him prayer, I said, there's a man that not only knows the Scriptures, but he knows the Lord. Loved his prayers. I'm sure going to miss him. Every Sunday has a different emphasis. Secondly, our life circumstances change from week to week. I can't tell you how many times when I've been out back and people are coming out, and sometimes it's good, sometimes not so good. People come out and they go, who told you? Who told me what? No, no, no. Who told you? You were preaching that sermon right at me. What are you talking about? Well, I thought you knew. Knew what? What are we talking about? And then they go on and they tell me, what was that? And I go, oh, I see how that sermon had something to do. But you didn't know? No, I didn't know. Well, I tell you what, preacher, you sure were preaching to me. I said, well, maybe God was using that somehow. And then there are times people come out and they go, that's just what I needed to hear today. I don't plan that. It just happens. But when I hear that, I go, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you use me and that your word was fitting. So every Sunday has a different emphasis, number one. Number two, our life circumstances change from week to week and we never know the songs, the prayers, the scripture readings, the sermons that will really hit the nail on the head. And finally, every week we worship with different people. Now, I know you look around and you see all the same faces, but I hope that the person I am next Sunday is not who I am today. I hope I'm a little bit different. I hope I'm a little bit better. We worship with different people every week, and hopefully when you come back, you're a little bit better and you're a little bit different too. And if not, maybe the assembly can encourage us to be better, to do better. So every Sunday has a different emphasis. 
Our life circumstance change from week to week, and we worship with different people every week. Now, the Scripture at the onset of the sermon spoke about the consistency of our Lord. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I spoke about changes, some of which can be good, some of which can be bad, but I want to bring the emphasis back to the Lord who is the same. He hasn't changed a bit. He still loves he still wants. Think about that. He still loves you. He still wants you. There's a difference. Let me illustrate it this way. I don't need my wife or children, but I want them. Could I live life without them? Sure, as they could without me, but I want them. You see the difference? So when we want something that we could do without or someone, it's because they're special to us. And God loves you and God wants you. Jesus still wants you to believe in Him. That hadn't changed. Jesus still wants you to be saved from sin and death. That hasn't changed. Now let's say you believe that Jesus is God's Son. Are you willing to confess that? Are you willing simply to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son? Now, if you are, you can, but I would also appeal to those who maybe aren't as willing and say, look, if you can recite the Pledge of Allegiance because you believe in it, if you believe in Jesus as God's Son, you can confess that, surely. If you can hoot and holler for your favorite team, which, by the way, the Vols were robbed. Landon Clark and I talked about it this morning. That was a bad call. Anyway, if you're willing to confess Jesus, if you're willing to turn to God and away from yourself, away from the world, from whatever, that's repentance. That's a change. You change your mind about yourself in relation to God, and you may find that you'll change your actions as well. Confession, repentance, and then baptism. I'll tell you a story, and we'll end with this story, so if you want to pack up and get ready, now's your chance. Out on the cattle ranches of the West, so I've read, the unbranded calves that roam are referred to as mavericks. And they're claimed by the first person who can get to them and put his brand on them. And from what I read, there's usually an annual roundup in certain parts of the West. A little girl one Sunday was baptized and her schoolmates asked her about it. They said, what's the meaning of it? She said, well, she said, I'll just tell you, I was a little maverick out on the prairie and that man put the Jesus mark on my forehead so that when he sees me, he'll know that I'm one of his children. That's a cute description. It's what baptism does. Not only washing away our sins, but marks us. It marks us as God's, as Jesus's. Repent, confession, baptism. Have you done that? Let's pray together, and then we'll have an invitation. 
Gracious Father, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. For these things we humbly rep repent and pray that for the sake of your Son, Jesus, that you'll have mercy on us. Father, for those who need to renew their commitment, their devotion to you, we pray that they do so, if need be publicly or if they want to privately. If repentance is necessary for us, let our lives show genuine change. Not just be lip service, but genuine change. That we would bear fruits worthy of repentance. And Father, for those who have never become Christians, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that they will make that decision. We pray, Father, that if it's not just yet they make it, that you will be gracious to preserve them until an hour that they might make it. But Father, as we look forward to the return of Jesus our Lord, we pray that they would obey the gospel sooner rather than later. Bless us in this new year. Give us hope. Forgive us of our sins. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you wish to come forward before this assembly, you can come forward now as we stand and sing.